Uh, well, I'm not sure if any of you can relate to this, but there's been times in, in my life, and I'm sure this has happened to you, where I will be, um, you know, maybe at one of our campuses, let's say here at the Hastings campus, I'll be out in the lobby, and a, a younger child will walk up to me, uh, maybe two, three years old, and they'll, they'll speak some words to me, they'll say something to me, or I'm talking to them, and I honestly have no clue what they're saying. Like, like they, I mean, they're saying words, and in their mind, they understand what they're saying to me, but I really cannot make out what they're saying to me. And so sometimes I'll say, well, what did you say? And they'll say it again. And it doesn't matter how many times I ask them. I just, I don't know what what in the world they're saying. And so sometimes I'll even try to guess what they're saying. And of course, that never works with a young child. They get so frustrated, like, dude, are you a dummy? Like, you really don't understand what I'm saying, right? And it doesn't matter how many times I ask them. It's like, I just, there's this communication breakdown. But here's the amazing thing. All of a sudden, the parent walks up, right? And we all have done this, right? Where we look at the parent, we go, what are they saying, right? And, and the parent, it's as, as if they understand gibberish. Like, they get exactly what that kid is saying. They say, oh, they're saying, and they repeat to you what it is that they're saying. I know this has happened with my kids so many times where I'll be standing in the lobby and they'll, you'll come up and walk, talk to one of my kids and ask them a question and they'll say something which to me sounds perfectly normal, but yet to you, you have no idea what it is that they're saying. It doesn't make sense to you, right? And really when you think about it, it's a communication breakdown. A communication breakdown that happens in our relationships, happens with kids, happens with adults. But the amazing thing, this is what's really interesting with this, is the parent is hearing the same words in the same way, but yet there's no breakdown. How is it that a parent can hear the same things that you're hearing, the same words that the kid is speaking, but yet there's no breakdown? And I would argue because they're spending a lot of time with that kid, right? They're, like, they're doing life with that kid. Or, you know, for me, when my kids say something, you might not understand them, but because I'm with them every day, because I'm spending quality time with them, for me, it's not a breakdown. It's constant communication. But communication breakdown, of course, you know, this, this can be tough, can it? When, when you don't get what somebody is saying, you don't understand what they're saying, or you misinterpret what your spouse wants, right? And you're not, oh, do they really want that? Do they not want that? But, but of course, it's also, uh, communication breakdown can be tough when, when you misunderstand what somebody is actually trying to communicate to you. This happens with kids all the time. So my, my, uh, my two boys, this was a couple months ago, I was driving my car, and, and they were in the back seat, and, and my youngest, Caleb, he says to me out of nowhere, like, we're just going down the road. It's kind of silent for like a half second, and we're going down the road, and he just says to me, hey, Dad. And I said, what? And he goes, I can pick up little girls. And I'm like, did he just, did he just say what I think he said? Like, and I said, Caleb, what did you say? And he said, Dad, I can pick up little girls. And I'm like, whoa, bro, who's been teaching you this? Like, like who, who is, and I'm like, so I'm like, I'm like a little kind of frazzled. Like, who is teaching my four-year-old about how to pick up little, like that, like you can't say that, Caleb. Like, like I, don't, I don't care how cute you are. You can't say I'm picking up little girls. Like, that's not right. And then I'm like, like, how would he have gotten that? Like, I don't, I don't talk like that. I don't say that. So I'm going, like, did his mom say something? Did, 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 like a cousin? I mean, somebody is teaching my kid something really, really bad right now. And so I'm like, I'm like going over and over, like, like wait, what? like, did you just say that you pick, pick up? He's like, yeah, I pick up little girls. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, okay. I was like, Caleb, you, we can't talk like that. Well, anyway, after like several conversations back and forth and me freaking out as being like a terrible parent or doing something wrong, what, what it really was, was some of our friends, they had chickens and we had just been over to their house like a week before that. And one of the chickens names was, they called her little girl. 
And what was really cool to my, my son is that when he was over there, he could pick up, he picked up little girl in his arms. Like he like could lift the chicken up. And he was so proud of himself that he was telling me, dad, guess what? I can pick up little girl. Like that, that's what he was really saying to me. But I'm thinking to myself, my son, a four-year-old is actually playing the field, right? I mean, communication breakdown happens. Now you understand this, that even though this happens all the time in relationships, it happens with us in our relationship with God as well, with Jesus. My guess is this, that many of you sitting here today, many people maybe watching this online, you would say that when you pray, when you try to talk to God, when you have this interaction with God, that, that you have a breakdown that takes place maybe more times than not. That, that you have these questions inside, like, God, are you really listening to what I'm saying? Or maybe even you've had this question, like, Am I doing something wrong? Like, like maybe you see somebody else praying and you're like, man, I mean, it seems like when they pray, like God must be listening to the words that they're saying. God must be showing up. God must be, you know, like actually hearing the voice that, that, that you know, like there's got to be a communication there. But when I pray, there's major communication breakdown. And I get that. I really do. Now, for the follower of Jesus, we believe that prayer is the way that we have this opportunity to talk with God. And we believe that prayer works. In fact, John, one of the guys who did life with Jesus, he actually said it this way, and since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. So, so John, one of the disciples who did life with Jesus every single day, says, you know, we understand and we know that he actually hears us when we pray. Like, like we believe that he hears us, and not only does he hear us, but, but he's actually going to give us what we ask for. And so, of course, that verse sounds great, you know, and the guy who wrote it was John who did life with Jesus, so he must understand. So we think, well, well, then why is it when I pray, there's a breakdown that takes place? There's something different that happens. Am I missing the mark? Because you feel like sometimes when you go to God, you're hitting a wall, like, like you're not really getting through to him, or he can't hear you, or maybe you're not listening well enough, or am I doing something wrong? God, are you there? Are you present? And if that is you today, if that's kind of where you lie when it comes to prayer, I get it. I really do. We're not dissing you for having those feelings if you, if you doubt that maybe God hears you or doesn't hear you. In fact, I actually believe it's a really good question to ask. And so in the series that we've been in, week two now we're in this, uh, we're talking about this idea of prayer. And why does it feel like for many of us who would say, I love God, I, I'm trying to follow God, I want to do everything I can to serve God, that communication breakdown takes place when we try to communicate with God. And maybe the question that we need to ask is, are we doing it wrong? And so if you missed last week, I would really encourage you to, to go back to listen to the podcast. Jeff, he kind of kicked off this series and he introduced this idea of, of why communication is so important. But what he kind of led into was this idea that Jesus himself actually teaches you and I how to pray. That, that, that he actually gives us instruction on how we can do a road map, and maybe, just maybe, this map is part of the solution to the breakdown that you and I feel like we face when, it, when we're trying to talk with God. If you've ever felt like, like maybe God wasn't listening to you, if you ever felt like maybe he wasn't present in the moment when you're trying to talk to him, Jesus actually says this. He says, hey, I'll actually teach you how to pray. I'm going to teach you the way that you should pray. And so then here's the question. How do we pray in a way where we don't have a communication breakdown? Where you feel like God is hearing the words that you're saying. Like you feel like there's, there's this communication happening where you're not misunderstanding what it is they're saying. 
And here's my thought, and I think many of you can relate to this as well. Most of my prayers, if I can be honest, you want to know what they're about? They're about me. And I would, I would guess this, that if you're real honest, probably when you think about this past week and the, the things that you prayed for, the things that you lifted up to God, I would say most of maybe your prayers are about you. And this is, you know, typically what we pray about, right? Or, or maybe it's what we pray for, like, God, would you help my needs or would you help me do this thing? Or if it's not for you, it would be for somebody that you love, somebody that you're close to. And what if, just what if, I know I'm going to offend some of you, but what if? What if that actually had very little to do with prayer? What if this idea of going to God and praying for my needs and my desires and everything that I want God to do in my life, what if that is actually not the real reason why we should be praying? What if we are actually getting it wrong? What if it wasn't about your needs or your desires? And, but what if that was actually only a small portion of the reason as to why we are supposed to pray. And yet because of maybe how we were raised or how we were taught, this is how we pray. We pray for me and for my needs and the things that we want God to do in our life for the people that we love. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we can't do that, okay? Don't, don't think that I, what I'm saying today is that praying for the things that you desire and need is a bad thing. But what if that's not actually the main reason why Jesus wants you to pray? What if actually that has very little to do with why we are supposed to go to God? What if God actually wasn't some good luck charm that if we just kind of get it right and we say the right words and then maybe he'll show up, maybe he'll, you know, make my marriage better, maybe he'll get me that promotion, maybe he'll do the things that I want him to do. What if it actually wasn't about that? And so as we look at how Jesus taught us how to pray, you'll see that maybe, just maybe, maybe we're doing it wrong. So over the coming weeks, we're going to look at what Jesus actually said of how he taught us how to pray. Now, most of you have read these verses before. You've heard it. Um, It's called the Lord's Prayer. And of course, many of you maybe even have memorized it. And we're going to get to the Lord's Prayer in just a moment. We're going to kind of break this down over the next several weeks. But before we do, there's this portion that oftentimes I think we miss. Right before the Lord's Prayer where Jesus kind of sets this whole idea up. And I want you to see this because I think this is very important. So, so what happens is the disciples, they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, when you pray, something amazing happens, right? Like if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you watch every time that Jesus begins to pray or he prays for somebody or something or he asks God to do something, miracles happen, right? Healings happen. God, I mean, God just shows up in an incredible way. And then the disciples are like, are we doing something wrong? Because it doesn't work for us the same way that it works for you. And so they say to Jesus, hey, would you teach us how to do this? Would you actually teach us how to pray? And so before he gets to the teaching part, he gives us two things that he really wants us to do. And this is how he starts it out. He says this, and when you pray, in other words, let me just pause and say this, that Jesus expects that we're going to pray. He doesn't say prayer is a bad thing or you shouldn't do it or it doesn't really work. He just says, hey, and when you pray, in other words, it's something we should be doing. He says, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. He says, I tell you the truth. They've received the reward in full. Notice the first thing that Jesus says before he even gets to how you are supposed to pray is he hits on this place that you are not supposed to pray, right? Right? Now, it's weird for us, right? Because we can pray to God anywhere, right? 
I mean, we all grew up knowing, like, I can talk to God anywhere. I can talk to him in my car. I can talk to him, you know, in, the, in my bedroom. I can talk to him at school. I can talk to him at my job. You know, on, on my way to school, all of a sudden, I'm going, oh, I have a test today. And so I can, I can say, hey, God, could you help me with that test? Or I'm in a bad situation, so God, could you give me strength in the midst of this? But hear me now. Jesus, he says that there's something about a location that you pray. Something that you and I maybe don't think about. So he is talking about a group of people that would go out and they would pray in public and their idea was that we want everybody to see how spiritual we are and how cool we are and how great we are. And so he says, I don't want you to be like those people. He says, I don't want you to pray like the hypocrites because they pray in the synagogues, in other words, in churches or, or places so that everybody can see them. They're trying to make a scene about where they pray. And he says, don't do that because actually they've already received their reward. They're being seen by men. In other words, people look on and they say, wow, he's really good at praying. Wow, he must have a connection with God. And he says, I don't want you to be like those people. He says, actually, I'm not impressed with that. So so where do we pray? He goes on, he says this. But when you pray, he says this. This is where I want you to go. He says, I want you to go into your room. I want you to close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And then your father, who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. Jesus says that I want you to go into your room to close the door. But Joel, can we pray anywhere? Like I thought I could pray like in my car. I thought I could pray like right now if I wanted to, right? And of course, yes, you can. But Jesus says there's something about this. Not going into your bedroom. That's not what he's saying. But getting alone with God. There's something about finding a time in a place where it's just you and God alone and it's just in the quietness. I was talking to a guy last night and he's like, dude, I'm telling you, when I go out hunting, he goes, that is my alone time with God. And I believe that with all my heart. I'm not making fun of it at all. I actually think there's something, if you're, if you're intentional about it, about getting alone with God. He's not saying that the only place that you can pray is in your bedroom. He is saying there's something about getting rid of all the distractions in your life and getting alone with your heavenly Father. And when you do this, I actually believe it changes everything. When you learn this, this idea, when you learn this rhythm of spending time in a place alone with God, in other words, not always on the fly asking God to help you, not always you know, in the midst of a, a difficult time in your life asking God to help you, those are great prayers. We should pray those prayers. But Jesus says, the first thing I want you to understand, disciples, if you want to pray like me, is that the time and location actually do matter to me. Every married couple in here, you understand this idea of the connection, right? And many of you, you, you believe this today. You've walked in here today. You've been married for 10, 20, 30 years, whatever it is. You've been married for five years. It doesn't matter how long. You've been married for a couple of weeks. It doesn't matter how long. And you understand there's something different that, that with living with somebody, right, and actually being connected with them. It's why all the time I'll talk with couples and they'll just say, man, we've been married for 15 years. We, we live together and yet we're just, I don't feel connected. There's no connection because you're, you're so caught up in the busyness of your schedule that you never take time to truly connect with your spouse. One of the things I always recommend, and, and this has just worked in my marriage as well, is that when you get alone with just you and your spouse and you just get away from all the distractions, something happens, real connection takes place. A few months ago, my wife and I got to get away for like three days. It wasn't even that long, two, three days, I think, together, just the two of us. And there's something refreshing that takes place when that happens. Why? Because that's where real intimacy and connection takes place. When you get away, true connection happens when you get alone. And it's the same way with Jesus. 
In other words, you can talk to Jesus your entire life. You can have a relationship with God your entire life. And you could still feel distant from him. And let me just say, could it be because you and I, we only throw up last minute prayers to God, which again, I'm not saying is a bad thing to do. But Jesus says, if you want to know how to pray, I want true connection with you, which comes when you get alone with me. And the promise is this, he says, and when you do that, he says, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to reward you. Now, that word reward actually means he's going to pay you back. And that's what I'm talking about, right? I mean, maybe you're like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, like, Joel, if that is like all it takes, if all it takes is for me to get alone and find a time and a place for God, for me, you know, just, just him and I, if, and he's going he's gonna to make that girl at school start liking me, then I just say we cancel service right now, right? Like if he's going to, if that's all it takes for me to get the dream job that I want, then, then I'm willing to go home. I'm willing to shut the door. I'm willing to let my kids go crazy out there knocking on my door. I don't even care. I'm going to be alone with God because if that's really what he's going to do, and of course, you know, that's not what God's actually saying, When he says that he's going to pay you back, he's not saying he's going to give you everything that you want because you know he's too smart for that, right? But but he says that there's this idea of getting alone with him and spending time with him. He goes on and says this, and when you pray, he says this, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. That, That word heard actually means to be taken seriously. And maybe you have this feeling that, okay, Joel, so, all right, you say that God says, if I want to learn how to pray, the first thing I need to do is I need to get alone with God and just him and me. And so I'm going to spend some time, I'm going to carve out time, and I'm just going to go and get alone. I'm going to find this space for just me and God. But what do I say to him? Like when I get alone, I can't get alone. I don't know if any of you are like me, but like if I sit down for like five minutes, I'm like, okay, what do I need to do next? Like I just can't, right? And some of you are like that. You're like, so what do I do? Like, like what if I don't know what to say. And I would say, if that's what you feel, that's perfect because Jesus says, your words don't matter. In fact, he says, would you please stop babbling on and on and on, on and on and on about your prayers? Would you stop doing that? In other words, he isn't impressed with long-winded prayers. I know some of what some of you think. You, you think that you know people and you would say, man, they're good at praying, right? You, you would say, man, when, when, when that person prays, when I hear their prayers, I mean, some of you might think, man, when Jeff gets up here and he prays, like, oh, man, God must know what he's, I mean, God, he must have this amazing connection with God. He's, like, good at it. God must truly listen. Some of you, you refuse to pray out loud in groups because, you want to know what? You're afraid of what you're going to say. You're like, well, what if I, what if I look dumb? What if I don't really know the words that I'm supposed to say in the midst of this? And so you get in a group of people and someone says, would anybody like to pray? And you're like, ooh, no, 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 not me, not me. Your head goes down. You're like, don't look at me, don't look at me. I'm not going to do it, not going to do it. Can I just say something that might offend some of you? You want to know what that is? That's pride. That's pride. You want to know why? Because, because when, you th- when you're worried about what you're going to say, you know who you're trying to impress? The people in that group. And Jesus, not me, Jesus actually just said, your words actually don't matter. Your words actually don't mean anything to me. See, when we're praying with other people, it's not about what they think, it's about us trying to connect with our Heavenly Father. And Jesus says, I'm not impressed with fancy words. I'm not impressed with how good of a prayer person you think that you are. So some of the greatest prayers that I've ever heard in my entire life have been from people who have never prayed before. 
It's like their first time, they're like, man, I'm just going to go for this. So many years ago when I did student ministry, I would, um, different times throughout uh, my ministry, I always made a point that I was going to mentor um, some, some boys in the youth group. And so I'd have like three or four boys at a time that I would just continually on a weekly basis meet with them and just try to pour into them and do life with them. And at one point, I remember this so clearly, I, I was mentoring these three kids who um, truly had just, they're very baby Christians in their faith. I mean, this will show you how, how ba- baby of a Christian they were. One time I had asked them, like, hey, would you guys, uh, I want you guys to read any portion of the Bible that you want. Just read some scripture this week. And so I'd give them all Bibles. They didn't have Bibles. And the one kid came back the next week and he, I said, hey, what did you read? And he said, dude, I loved, I loved, I loved, loved that book. There, there's this book in the Bible. I said, which book? He said, the book of Job. And I said, do you mean Job? And he goes, oh, is that what it's called? Because it's J-O-B, right? And, and for him, he never, he had never understood the Bible or read it. I love that. And I'm like, oh, it's actually called Job. That's like a guy's name. That was his, his story. He goes, oh, I thought his name was Job. And I'm like, no, no, it was, it was Job. And, and so like, this is how fresh they were. And so one day we're praying and, and I'm like, hey, I want everybody just to kind of pray whatever you want to pray about. And so we're all praying. And it was the most cut up, unorganized, weird, in some ways prayer. And it was like, they didn't know what they were saying. And there would be stutters and there would be all this weird stuff. But I'm telling you, it was so beautiful. Because in their mind, what they were doing is just having this connection with God. And Jesus says this, he says, I, I'm not really impressed with fancy words. And then he actually goes on, he says this, he says, do not be like them. He says, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And Jesus says that there's a, this important thing about finding a time and a place and get this, your words don't matter. Why don't your words matter? He says, because I actually already know what you need before you even ask me. So if you're here today and you're thinking, okay, Joel, if I get into a room and I close the door and I begin to pray, but yet God already knows what I need, then why would I pray? I think you're actually on the verge of understanding why you need to pray. In other words, you can ask him for anything that you want, but he actually already knows that you want it. You don't have to spend a lot of time there, he is saying. So what do you pray about? What is the point of prayer? And what you're going to see is that Jesus begins to teach us what it is that prayer is really about. And maybe, just maybe, the reason why at times I feel like I have a communication breakdown with God, why maybe, just maybe, the reason why you feel like you have a communication breakdown with God is because we actually don't know maybe how to pray properly. That prayer isn't about getting everything that you want. It isn't about getting every one of your needs met because he says, I already know those things. In other words, before you go to God and pray, you're like, man, I got to pray about this situation. I got to pray about this job. I got to pray about this relationship that I'm in. I got to pray about this addiction that I'm facing. I have to pray about this person that is sick and needs healing. Jesus is saying, God already knows. You actually don't have to spend a lot of time there because you want to know why? Because God already knows. So maybe, what if prayer wasn't about getting our needs met, but what if what Jesus is saying is that He wants us to just simply get alone with God. In other words, here's the two things that I think Jesus is saying to us, is that time and place to him matter. In other words, if we refuse to spend a time and a place alone with God, he's saying this is what you have to get right first. Again, you can pray in your car, you know, in a last minute prayer. You can throw up a prayer to heaven when you're in the midst of a bad situation. I'm not saying that's bad. But Jesus, when he teaches us how to pray, he says, there's something about getting alone and actually having a connection with me. And then when you get alone, he says this, get get this, your words actually don't matter. You don't have to get caught up in what kind of words you're saying to him because he already knows what you need before you ask. But when teaching us how to pray, Jesus says that the time and place that matters and words don't matter. So let me just pause and ask. 
when is the last time for you? If you, if you say, I'm a, I'm a Christ follower, I, I want to I follow God, I want to I have a connection with him. And I understand a lot of people are at different places on that. But when is the last time that you carved aside time and got into a quiet place to hear God? When is the last time where you just said, I'm going to get alone with God? And I think if we're honest with ourselves, with the pace that we live these days, this fast-paced life, maybe for some of us it's been a long time. And Jesus is just saying, I really want that from you. You want to know what I want is I want that alone time with you. And once you get there, he goes, get, get this. You don't have to feel like you have to stay there for an hour because your words don't matter to him. And he says, you can tell me what you need. You can give me all the requests that you have. You can bring that stuff on. But get this, I already know what you need. So, so what do you do when you and I get alone? What do we do in the midst of that? He doesn't want you to miss this first, that the space matters, that the words don't matter to him. And here's my prayer for each of you before we actually talk about what Jesus says you should say to him, that you and I don't go through our lives and miss what God has for us through prayer and connecting with him. I don't want to miss going through my life being so busy with everything I have going on that I miss this idea of spending time alone with my Heavenly Father. And that leads us to being maybe discouraged in our life where we say, and I know there's many of you here today, you would say, Joe, I tried to pray one time, but God didn't answer my prayer. That person died. I didn't get that job. I didn't get that promotion. He didn't provide for my family. My, my wife, my husband, they left me. And I know sometimes we go through these things in, in life and we just go, I'm so discouraged on how to, uh, how to pray. Can I just encourage you today, spend time and find a time in a space where you can get alone simply with you and God every single day. Even if it's five minutes. Again, why? Because words don't matter to him. He's just saying, would you just spend time alone with me? Start somewhere. And then, this is the part that we love. After that, he says, then this is how you should pray. In other words, but first you have to understand a time and place matter and words don't matter to me, but then this is how you should pray. And he starts it out like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Notice the first thing that Jesus didn't say. He didn't say the first thing that you should do when you pray is talk about what God should give you, right? The first thing that you should do when you pray is talk about how God should heal somebody in your life. Again, those are all great things to pray. But the first thing that Jesus says is not start your prayer by saying these exact words, but once you have a time and place, the first thing that God really wants you to do is to begin by giving praise to God. The very first thing that you should do, okay, Joel, so I find a time and a place, I get into a room alone, and I understand, okay, my words don't matter, it doesn't matter how long I stay here, what do I do first? He says the first thing you should do is begin by giving praise where praise is due. Think about it, most of the time when we pray, the first thing out of our mouths is, God, would you please help me? God, would you get me through this situation? God, would you get me this new job? And Jesus is saying, I know that stuff already. I, I, remember, I already know what you need. I'm, I'm good. I, I have that stuff down. You don't have to worry about that. But would you just start by acknowledging who it is that you're talking with? Could you start by just giving praise for how amazing God is? Why do we do this? Let me just say this. It's not because Jesus is up in heaven, God's up in heaven going, I really need you to give me some praise. I'm feeling a little lonely right now. That's not why he does it. Any of you who have kids, you understand this concept. There's times where my boys will, will run up to me and they'll ask me a question about something that they want. So maybe they'll walk up to me and say, hey, dad, can I have some chocolate, right? Now, at our, our house at home, there's like still Halloween candy. I don't understand it, but there's still Halloween candy sitting on, on the table right there in a big bowl. And any of my kids at any time could go up and grab that candy out and take it if they really wanted to. So why do they ask for permission? What, what they're really acknowledging to me is, hey, dad, you're in charge, Right? 
Well, when your kids ask you if they can do something, they're acknowledging who it is that they're coming to, that you're the person that could actually give them what they want. And here's even the better part. When my kids, and they get this now, when they walk up to me and they say, Daddy, Daddy, you are the best daddy in the whole wide world. And I'm like, oh, thanks. And then they say, can I have a piece of chocolate? You want to know what I say? You can have two. Because they understand something about this idea of acknowledging who it is. When you, when you give praise where praise is due, it does something not only to them, but it does something to you as well, right? But what it begins to actually do is, what, what praise does is it actually softens your heart. Here is the big, biggest reason why you need to spend time first acknowledging God and giving him praise. It's for you. See, when you begin to praise God, it changes your heart. It reminds you of who is in charge, that his ways are higher, that his ways are better. You don't start with give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. But he says, would you start your prayer with acknowledging who it is you're talking to and giving praise to God? And here's what I believe. The more time that you spend here, the more confident you are in the way that God is going to lead you in your life. It moves you to a place of remembering who it is that you're talking to. So when something doesn't go right, you have this peace that passes all understanding. Sometimes you watch people who are not followers of Jesus look on at a Christian, and they they watch you as you go through something so difficult in life, and they say, how is it that you can have peace? How is it that you can go through this sickness? How is it that you can go through cancer? How is it that you can go through losing a job and still have this unbelievable peace taking place in your life? It's because you have this understanding that God is so much bigger than those things. How do we understand that God is so much bigger? It's by us spending time acknowledging and giving praise to God for how amazing he is, that you can have that peace. And so you start with praise. Well, Joel, how long do I do that for? Like, Because some of you are like detailed people. You're like, well, so is it like two minutes that I spend there or is it three? Remember again, Jesus says your words don't matter. So so there's not a set time, right? You, You stay there as long as you need to get your heart right. In other words, you stay there as long as it takes for you to get to a place of understanding and truly trusting God with everything you're gonna bring to him. See, there's a place later in the Lord's Prayer, we'll get to that, where you get to say, Lord, give me, right? Where you get to get to that place. But the first thing he says is, I want you to acknowledge who it is that you're speaking to. And sometimes for us, it means we're there a long time. For some of us, maybe who are going through a dark time in our life, you have this understanding and you're struggling with something. It might take you a little bit longer of just having to go, God, it's gonna take a while because I don't know if I truly trust you. I don't know if I can truly give praise where praise is due. So what does it look like? It's a time to say thank you for when he did show up in your life. It's a time to remember his faithfulness. It's a time to simply say thank you, God, that I have breath in my lungs. It's a time to say, God, I thank you that you provide for me. I mean, again, think about this. I would guess most of us, if not all of us, woke up this morning and we had heat in our homes. Thank the Lord, right? And yet those little things, we're just like, oh, it's cold outside, and oh, I hate the cold. And I'm, trust me, I'm there. I'm grumbling the whole way, okay? But, but it's a reminder to us of how amazing and how blessed we are in our life. See, the reason, don't miss this, the reason that Jesus said spend time giving praise where praise is due, you might ask, well, why do I need to do this? Why, why do I need to give praise to God? You understand this. It's actually the only thing that you can offer him. It's really the only thing 
that you can give him? See, if Jesus is who he says he is, and I get for some of you, you're here today, and you don't maybe buy into the whole Jesus thing, and that's okay. But if you believe it, then I want you to think about for a moment your darkest moment in your life. I want you to think about the low of low in your life. I want you to think about the point in your life where you are at desperation. In that moment, God loved you so much that he was willing to send his son Jesus to die on a cross to sacrifice his son for you and for me. And if you let that sink in, then what can I give back to God? What do I have to offer him for what he has done for me in my life, for how he has provided for me, how he has saved me in the midst of my darkness? You realize you have nothing other than praise. There is nothing that I can give God other than praise. See, listen, you understand this as a parent. My kids can't offer me much. Come on. They don't provide for me. They cost me a lot of money. Can I get an amen? Right? They, they can't, get this, they can't buy me gifts. My, my kids, four and five-year-old, it might be that during Father's Day, my, my wife, because she's really thoughtful, will take my boys to a store and she will buy gifts for me that comes from our money, right? They, they, don't, they don't do anything to buy me gifts. They, they, don't, they, they don't provide for me. They, they, don't, they don't do anything that, that really gives me that kind of satisfaction. But there is nothing greater, hear me, there is nothing greater than when I come home from, from, from work and one of my boys comes running outside and they run up to me, they wrap their arms around me and they say, Daddy, Daddy, I love you. You are the best daddy in the whole wide world. There's nothing greater than that. And that is the only thing truly that my kids can give me, right? Think about that. The only thing that your kids can really give you, and you know this, this, this moment of when they walk up to you, when they run up to you, and they give you praise, and they tell you how amazing you are, they wrap their arms around you, they tell you that they love you, and that you are the greatest thing in the world. Why? Because there's nothing better, because that's all that they can give. And if in the same way, the only thing that you can give your Heavenly Father is praise, then give it. And for some of you, the reason... Why you haven't been able to pray is because you feel hurt by God. And you're struggling with God because he didn't show up. He didn't listen to you. Maybe, maybe we just have prayer wrong. Maybe God's actually been there the whole time. And maybe part of the communication breakdown is because we refuse to get alone with God. We're so busy that we just throw up these random prayers to God. And we, he says, you know what I want more than anything? I, I want a connection with you. I want to get alone with you. And your words don't matter. They're not, they're not the eloquent words, they're, they're not good to me. I don't even care about that. They, they mean nothing. And maybe we've missed this. Maybe we've missed this praise piece. In fact, in just a moment, we're going to actually have an opportunity. We're going to sing a couple songs. And you understand that when we sing songs, that's one of the ways that you get to give praise to God. That you get to remember his faithfulness. That you get to remember how good he is. And it's one of the ways that we get this opportunity to give praise Hear me on this. This isn't entertainment. And maybe if you can be honest, when we sing in church, you refuse to lift your voice. Because we say things like, well, Joel, I don't have a good voice. I I, I can't sing like the people up here. And so when when we're singing songs, you're like, praise goes up, praise comes down. So y'all can't even hear me. I have a microphone on, right? And then like, hey, you could lift your hands to Jesus and you're like, ooh, that's all I got, right? <laughs> Think about this. We refuse to give that praise to God. Let, let me, here's what's amazing to me. Let, me. let me explain it to you this way. Listen to this. 
Some of you want to jam to this right now. I know you do. Brian does. You can tap your foot if you want. See, she's getting into it. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else like this song? Some smiles over here. Some dancers in the back. They're the weird ones. See, right there. Yeah, I see you over there. So, so here, here's what's amazing. Some of you, when that came on, some of you were like, oh my gosh, I want to get out of my seat. I want to go, oh, oh man, oh, there's just something inside of you. You're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, right? And it's like, like you had this, these emotions come over you where it's like you want to do everything. See, see, you were like so into it. You're like, oh, can I just, can I see? I will scream that at the top of my lungs. See, here's where I actually believe maybe God gets a little offended. We're willing to go to a hockey game or a football game and we will hear this song, and we will go absolutely nuts. You will scream for the lions who will continue to disappoint you week after week after week. It's depressing. We'll sing Living on a Prayer at the top of our lungs because it's cool. But yet, worship God... Uh, no thanks. Can I just ask a serious question? At what point does that become offensive to God? Think about it. Some of you show more emotion in games. I'm, I'm a coach. Listen, some of you show way more emotion in games. Screaming at refs because you so badly want your kid to win. Going crazy at a coach. Going crazy at the opposite team. Some of you will yell at your TV so loud you wake up your kids because you are so into it. And yet, when it comes to giving worship to the creator of the universe, when it comes to us singing a song out to God, when it comes to us raising our hands and surrender to him, we say, I'm not into that. And I would just ask, at what point does that become offensive to God? At what point does he say, Really, you're willing to do that for that? But you're unwilling to really give me praise where praise is due? And all I'm saying is that singing is one of the ways that you get to praise him. That we get reminded of his amazing goodness. It does something to your heart. It opens you up to him that it's his ways, not your ways. Trusting his plan, not his plan, not your plan. That you understand that God is who he says that he is that you get an opportunity to block out everybody around you and just say, I don't really care what anybody else thinks. I am here to worship my Heavenly Father. Now, I'm not saying that we all have to worship in the same way. I'm not saying that at all. But if you're more concerned with your husband or your wife on one side of you, your kids or somebody next to you or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or what somebody else in your school is going to think of you than just completely worshiping God however you want to worship Him, if that's raising your hands, great. If that's singing out loud, that's great. If it's closing your eyes, that's great then I think that's a hard issue that we have to begin to work on. Because Jesus says that the first thing I want you to understand about not having a communication breakdown, and this wasn't like one of the apostles who taught us, this was Jesus who taught us. He says there's something about having a time and a place to get along with God, and there's nothing important about words. So don't worry about what you say. Don't worry about not being a good prayer person. But the first thing that I want you to do when you have this moment is I want you to give praise where praise is due. 
And one of the ways we get to do this is, yes, you get to get alone with God and you get to thank him for his goodness and you can do that and I'll challenge you to do that this week, to spend time alone with God, to give him praise where praise is due. But can I just challenge you, when you get this amazing opportunity every week to come into this building, to come to our Middleville campus, to come to our Dalton campus, when these songs come on, when they come on the radio, that that's an opportunity for you to simply surrender everything to God. And I just want to challenge you. We're going to go into a time where the band's going to lead us in a couple songs. And I would encourage you during this time, would you do what Jesus says? He says, first thing you need to do is hallowed be thy name. In other words, give praise to God because he is worthy of praise because in the midst of your darkest, deepest secret moment, it doesn't matter what it was for you. God loved you so much. And even if that's the only thing you feel you can give him praise for today, then give it because it's all that you have to offer him. And so I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing these songs and I would just encourage you to not worry about the person to your right, the person to your left, but to give God praise because he is worthy of that praise today. So Father, we come before you now and we thank you, God, that you are so good. God, and I know sometimes for me, when I come to you, it's all about me. It's all about what I need. But God, for a moment, I want to just acknowledge your amazing goodness. God, you are so faithful. God, God, I've I've watched as you've worked in so many people's lives. God, have you shown up in people's lives? God, God, the fact that we could all get up out of our beds today and we could come here. God, that we get this opportunity to worship you, get this without persecution. There's people all over the world where they're meeting God so other people will not see them because they could lose their life because of it. So God, during this time, may we give praise where praise is due. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.